Scorpion looked around at the mountain change, the mountain where he lived, and decided that he wanted to change. So he set out on a journey in hills. He climbed over rocks, under vines, and kept going until he reached a river. The river was and swift, and the scorpion stopped to reconsider the situation. He couldn't see any way across. So he ran upriver and then checked downriver, all the while thinking that he might have to turn back. Suddenly, he saw a frog sitting in the bank of the stream on the other side of the river. He decided to ask the frog for help getting across the stream. Hello, Mr. Frog, called the scorpion across the water. Would you be so kind as to give me a ride on your back across the river? Well now, Mr. Scorpion, how do I know that if I try to help you, you won't try to kill me? asked the frog hesitantly. Because, the scorpion replied, if I try to kill you, then I would die too. For you see, I cannot swim. Now this seemed to make sense to the frog, but he asked, What about when I get close to the bank? You can still try to kill me and get back to the shore. That is true, agreed the scorpion. But then I wouldn't be able to get to the other side of the river. All right then. How do I know you won't just wait till we get to the other side and then kill me, said the frog. Ah, crooned the scorpion. Because you see, once you've taken me to the other side of this river... I will be so grateful for your help that it would be, hardly be fair to reward you with death, now would it? So the frog agreed to take the scorpion across the river. He swam over to the bank and settled himself near the mud to pick up his passenger. The scorpion crawled onto the frog's back, his sharp claws prickling into the frog's soft hide, and the frog slid into the river. The muddy water swirled around them. But the frog stayed near the surface so the scorpion would not drown. He kicked strongly through the first half of the stream, his flippers paddling wildly against the current. Halfway across the river, the frog suddenly felt a sharp sting in his back, and out of the corner of his eye saw the scorpion remove his sting from the frog's back. A deadening numbness began to creep into his limbs. You fool! croaked the frog. Now we shall both die. Why on earth did you do that? The scorpion shrugged and did a little jig on the drowning frog's back. I could not help myself. It is my nature. Then they both sank into the muddy waters of the swiftly flowing river. The scorpion, my friends, is the WWE. And any of Ooh. you who were watching SmackDown on Friday night and complained about what happened with Kofi Kingston... We were watching Hell in a Cell last night and complained about the nonsensical ending of Hell in a Cell are the frog. 
you knew WWE was a scorpion when you let it crawl on your back. You knew what you were watching when you decided to flip on the channel. So I have no sympathy for you. But Jeff and I are here to offer you an alternative. There's a man that wrestled in WWE for a while, but before that, he was an ass-kicking machine in Pro Wrestling Noah, the greatest Noah wrestler of all time. Kenta Kobayashi, stylized Kenta in all capital letters. We offer you his match for the briefcase to wrestle for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship against Kota Ibushi. There is a team that had never teamed before this year, who faced another team that had never teamed before this year and put on the best pure tag team match of the year. Jeff and I offer you the Birds of Prey versus um, Bone Soldier and El Phantasma. And there is a man who everything he says comes to pass. A man who just asks you to breathe with him. Named the Switchblade Jay White. Jeff and I offer you his classic from New, from New Japan's destruction in Kobe against the closest thing that New Japan's ever seen to Stone Cold Steve Austin and Tetsuya Naito. Welcome to Kingdom of Honor. I am your host, Zan Manshi and Sabunya, along with my good buddy, the Uncle Jeff. Hello. I Jeff still can't talk. Jeff is still fighting uh, his, his voice. So we'll, we'll do our best to, to, to go through, but we've also kind of made a conscious decision to try to make these shows shorter anyway, so we'll probably go to hour, maybe hour and a half tonight. It just depends on... I realize it took up about seven minutes just with that. And it was important to to kind of point out what you guys are getting in the... Um, you're getting in, you're, you're watching an organization that, that doesn't care about the wrestling anymore. NJPW does, WWE's development system, NXT does, AEW certainly does, MLW certainly does, and Impact, of course, does. So, you know, you have plenty of options to choose from, uh, Ring of Honor as well, I, sh I should, should mention them as well. And, and we are here every week to guide you through that non-WWE journey. Uh, Jeff, did you get a chance to watch um, last week's USA Network debut? I did. And I don't want to talk about it because it was awful. What? I guess I can't say it was awful. That That's a little much. The match quality, Matt Riddle versus Adam Cole. I thought um, Gargano, Shane Thorne was a match. Kimberly, Shayna uh, Baszler was a great match. Pete Dunne was a good match. That tag team match at the end was really good. But there was some shit that happened in the middle that really kind of irritated. Um, mainly the announcing. Uh, I, I don't know what Phoenix is doing, but she is completely lost out there completely lost and Mauro Ronaldo is starting to become more of a catchphrase than he is a, an actual announcer and then whatever that was with Velveteen Dream just was not good well I, I agree the Velveteen Dream thing was kind of weird but I actually thought that um, I thought that actually NXT was better than AEW but Saying that, 
I think they also kind of damned themselves because I don't think you can do the NXT show that you did last week every week. It was it was basically like a takeover with commercials. Right. And AEW, meanwhile, they started a brand. They have something to build on, whereas NXT feels like, um, you know, they brought back Finn Balor, which is, which I know a lot of people are going to shit all over, and I'm just not a, I'm just not a big, big fan of the guy, but it's all it also feels like a step backwards. Um great match between him and Cole but it's still wait a minute why the fuck am I seeing Bobby Lashley in bed with Lana what the fuck did I miss um and why do I care <laughs> why is it even on your TV it's on my not my TV it's, I'm, it's on my computer because I'm trying to get the uh the image for our for tonight's show set up oh okay um, okay it, um anyway the, the thing I, with I, NXT I, uh, I, th- I thought it was a, I thought it was a fantastic show, but like I said, it's basically a takeover with commercials, and you can't do that every single week. Whereas AEW gave me more um, gave me things to look for for the future, like the tag team title tournament, this new faction with Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, LAX, and Sammy Guevara, um, the Cody and Jericho feud, Dustin's return, um, and the the Moxley Omega thing. I mean, they were really building for something for the future, whereas NXT, in a lot of ways, it felt like, um, I wouldn't, I guess not an ending, but just a continuation of something that's been going on for a while, which is, which is the fact, but when you're, when you're putting yourself in an audience that has never really seen you before, supposedly, it may not have been the, the best way to, to go about it. The, the fact that they brought back Balor makes sense to me because they really need to do something to bolster their roster. They do not have a roster that can go out there and um, continually put on a two-hour show. They just don't. I mean, they tried to make Punishment Martinez, or what is he now, Damian Priest, yep. uh, somewhat relevant when he attacked Pete Dunne. Um, I'm not sure what they were doing with Velveteen Dream. You got Undisputed Gargano, Riddle. And that's just about it. And then, of course, uh, Shayna Baszler. But they've got to bring back some other talent. So, yes, they're going to take a step back. Otherwise, they're never going to be able to, to, to do anything. And the, the, the other thing that kind of annoyed me a little bit was the fact that they acted like the last two weeks on USA Network didn't happen. Well, it was the first full show on USA Network. I don't, I don't know if they had to listen. Like the last week just didn't happen. Well, they didn't, uh, they kind of were making, the the feeling I got is that they were really pushing this as being you know, the groundbreaking moment with the Corey Taylor intro and all that stuff, uh, when in all reality, if you've been watching, you've been watching for three weeks now. Uh, you've been watching for three weeks, but you've only seen half of the show. Yeah, or but you've still week, seen... Or is, this week, or is this week you got the full, you got the full, um... The full display of what they can do for in two hours, or what they are, and they can do this in two hours. The, the problem is they can't do it every week in two hours. Yeah, because they don't have the talent. <laughs> they they don't have the talent on on display to do it for well, two hours every single week. Every, right now, but you don't want to do this every week. Every, you don't want to do the same show every every two weeks because then what are your takeovers going to be? You know, I mean that's that's the problem. Is if you if well the re- but this takeover style show every two weeks, what would be the incentive of watching takeover? See, the reason, uh, the, the thing here is, though, they had nothing to do but this type of show. 
because of their lack of talent, they really had to go all out for this type of two-hour show. Last week, they could hide things on the network. The week before, they could hide things on the network. They only had to go out there and throw out one or good matches. This time, they you know, had all eyes on them. They had, to, they had to bring all of their top guns and all their top guns. Where do they go from here? Nobody's, it's, if they're worried about ratings, the only thing ratings are going to do is plummet if next week the only big match we get is Matt Riddle against Finn Balor and then all the rest is developmental. No, I don't know. I, I was just throwing that out there. I, okay. you know, I'm just saying if that's the kind of match that we get, you know, we just get that one big match and all the rest are a bunch of uh, just developmental talent that hasn't even really found their way yet. They're just going to have to bring back. And I don't care about squash matches. I'm fine with that. Like that Trevor Lee match two weeks ago, I thought was great. I'm okay with squash matches, but we need to have some talent out there too. You can't just throw two guys who would normally be getting squashed up against each other. Right. I agree with that. I, I'm, and, and I'm not saying they shouldn't put big matches on every week. I would prefer they didn't, but I know that they're going to because that's just the way wrestling has been for the last 24 years now. You know, ever since Nitro debuted, that's what, that's what pro wrestling has been. Is, right. You, know, you, you put two named guys against each other in every match. The, my my problem with doing that is it just it t- turns tends to water down water down future matchups. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah, um, but it, but, but they're, and, they're going to keep doing it. My, my, but I, what I'm saying though is you can't have every one of your titles defended every week. No, you can't. That I agree with. And I realize it didn't have the North American title defended or the cruiserweight title defended, which, by the way, in case you missed it, has been rebranded as the NXT cruiserweight championship. Yep, um, I just but, saw that the 205 live went away. Was 205 Live gone now, too? That's the way it sounds. Oh, I didn't realize that. Um, I guess I haven't really looked, but that's the way it sounds. But, uh, but I mean, if you, even if you're having, like, two or three of your title defended every single week, that is still going to water down what you, what you can do on takeovers. Right, you know? exactly. No, I but agree with that. Whereas with AEW, you know, you had, the, you had the big match to start between Guevara and Rhodes. You had... Um, the Cutler versus MJF match was just when it was you know two named guys against each other one you know one guy two up and coming guys um, then you have the the Rose versus Nyla match I'm sorry the Rose versus Riho match that is for the women's championship but it's the first ever title be title being um, decided right there first ever champion being decided right there you have Hangman versus um, Pack, which is building up for the future, and then you have that six-man tag at the end. You know, I mean, th- those are—they were well spaced out, they were well done, and you didn't throw everything that you, every single thing that you have at the wall on, on one show. Whereas I felt like NXT did that for NXT. You had your you had your top con- you had your top contender facing the champion for the, for the world championship. You had your top tag team challenger facing the tag team champions for that championship, and you had your top two women facing off for the women's championship. So where do you have to where do you have to go from there? That, that's where I decided I came down on is I is I felt like NXT won the night, but I thought that they also lost the battles going forward by showing that they, that they were putting everything they had to that one show. See and I didn't even think they won the night. I felt like AEW's production, or I felt like what AEW put out there 
felt more like a wrestling show should that when it's on TV. This had too much silliness and stupidity in it for me. The fact that they unveiled two people, well, the, by silliness and stupidity, I mean basically everything that came out of Beth Phoenix's mouth and Mauro Ranallo, whatever he was trying to do, and then that Velveteen Dream skit. I think I think that uh, you and I just saw. I don't know. I, I'm not sure why we saw such different shows, but I, I the announcing didn't get on my nerves at all on this show. Um, and when she called, thing I thought was weird, but I was more intrigued than I was laughing at it. When she said that Bobby Fish gave um, uh, Dawson, what's it? What's the guy's name? Why can't I remember it? Not Mante, Angelo Dawkins. Okay. When he gave uh, Dawkins that uh, Irish leg whip on the through the rope, and she said that it um that he gave a knee DDT. Oh yeah, that's right. She did. <laughs> and I mean, there were just there were other spots throughout it where it's like it, they're it's like they're trying to out scream each other. I, I'm not a big fan of Mauro Ronaldo anymore, like I was when he was on SmackDown, and even when it was just an hour of Mauro Ronaldo. Lately, this last two or three weeks since they've been on primetime TV or on uh, USA, I'm just not a fan of his anymore. I think he he's getting too caught up in doing the proper names for moves, not giving them the you know the nicknames that they have he is way too excited for everything that happens like literally he's screaming when there's a clothesline it takes away from the actual excitement when something really exciting does happen simply because he's been screaming for 10 minutes i suppose that's a really good point actually but i i guess i, I get it didn't dawn on me to about that, I was actually watch, I was focused on the entire. And you know, one thing I've heard several times this week that that to me wasn't a factor for me was the. And, and maybe you view it differently as a fan than I do, and I, and I know the crowd factors into things more for you than it does for me. But um, the fact that NXT had 500 people and AEW had 15,000 seems to have really made an influence on a lot of people, and, and I and that didn't factor into my into my watching at all. I yeah, I don't care either. I mean the five hundred people were just as loud as the fifteen thousand, let's just put it that way. Yeah, they said they said they said they might right. I mean I just I didn't hear about that. I guess but maybe a part of it is I also like that that interview too. I mean that's I liked it at uh, you know for eight for ECW, so why wouldn't I like it for NXT? Right. No, I didn't have a problem with that at all. In fact I didn't even realize it. And I, uh, and I, and, you know, when I see that, I thought they won the night. It's because I, I thought the wrestling on their matches was better. You know, like I thought, and, and it's not a, it's not an indictment of, of EW at all. It's just simply that, like I said, they put their best pairings they could on the, on the one show. And, and, you know, to me, um, Riddle versus Cole was just awesome. Yeah. And that was easily the best match of the night. Right. Um, Baszler and Candice LeRae gave it a run, though. But outside of those two matches, I mean, I thought Pac versus uh, Page was really good. I felt like that uh, 
opening match with Guevara and, and Rhodes was really good. So it, they kind of even out there. Yeah, and, and that's what See, I and I feel like, and maybe it's just because I watched I watched the one live versus watching the other one on the network. But I felt like the commercial breaks really hurt both the tag team title match and the women's match on NXT. Yep. And and yeah, it was. And maybe those would have been split screen and or picture in picture if I'd been watching it live. But I no, wasn't. they I was weren't on the network, and they just and it was just like pulled away from the action, and they just like clipped it off, and it was just kind of they, like, okay, so we got outside to being standing in the middle of the ring. Yeah, they weren't split split, uh, split screen at all, because during the um, Io Shirai match and Mia Yim, there was a split screen cutaway, and you didn't even notice that they took a commercial break during that match. It on uh, when it was live on the network, there was a split screen uh, break during that oh, during that match, okay. and that's what I'm saying is that's how you know that they didn't do split screen for a tag team title match and a women's title match because um they didn't uh, they didn't just run through it like they did with the Io Shirai match. And those both had uh, two commercials in there, so their limited commercial break thing I think was mostly. Limited to, to that half an hour to start the show with. Yeah. With no commercials. Yeah, there was that too. Is that the, there just seemed like there was a ton of commercials. It, it I mean, it, but re, the reality is, is they do that shit on the network too. They've been doing that with NXT for years. I've been complaining about that for years. It's like, why, if you've got your network show and this is being broadcast on the network, why are you taking breaks in the middle of? In the middle of matches. I've been complaining about that for years. They even do it on the network. Well, in the network, I think they, I, I don't think it was ever as prominent as, as this is being right, you know, right now on, on their USA stuff. No, because it was like it a... Happened, and, it, and it even happened on their on their pre-shows, too, which is just ridiculous. But, right. Um, but I don't remember, but I don't remember ever being this um, bent out of shape about it on NXT before. Well, I think because it doesn't really happen during title matches. And this time it did. Yeah, and next and next week we have a title match that I don't care anything about because I well, I like Drew Gulak. I'm, I think uh, you know I'm not. I've never been a big fan of Leo Rush. So to have him <clears throat> in a title match next week is nothing that really tells me. Where's yeah, not me either. That I've heard about NXT's show on this coming Wednesday. And what have you heard about their show? I haven't heard anything yet. Okay, so we've got. Ha- got uh, Hangman Page and Dustin Rhodes taking on Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. Alright, I like that. We have the opening round match of the um, tag team title tournament, which is the Young Bucks taking on Private Party. And there was one more match I, I, I heard about that I can't remember what it was. Oh, it was uh, it was John Moxley versus Sean Spears. That's right. All right, that'll be a fun match. Yeah. There's not much of a reason for it, but it's, it'll be a fun match. No, and there doesn't have to be. I mean, there's it's, it's just basically there was no reason for Guevara versus Cody either. <laughs> well, there was because they they had to kind of have history. If you 
you know, but that you would have had to watch being the elite and you would have had to watch the, you know, the road to double or nothing and the nightmare family channel and Guevara's uh, channel or Guevara's channel. They do have some history together at least. Okay. Well, I don't know that Moxley, Moxley and Sean Spears ever crossed paths. Maybe one time in a weird backstage segment where there was probably catering involved. Yeah, definitely could be. Um, speaking of watching being the elite, <clears throat> there was a um, on being the elite for this week. There was an actual, there was a uh, kind of a thing between Hangman and the Bucks where he, you know the Bucks were like said, and it was from right after AEW Dynamite went off the air. I should clarify that um, where the Bucks were like, "Where were you?" And Paige said, well, I was in regular locker room, not the VIP locker room like, like some other people. And they're like, well, you haven't talked to us in, in, in weeks, man. What are you talking about? And, and Dustin's like, yeah, where were you? And he's like, sorry, Dustin, I'll make it up to you. So it's, it's kind of interesting that they were kind of planning, planning the seeds of a little bit of dissension there between the elite. So, oh. so don't be surprised if Hangman turns on them on... Uh, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if he joins Jericho's Alliance, I'll be surprised on Wednesday. I yeah, I hope not because that would take a weird turn that it shouldn't. Right, I, I, I would be I'd be a lot um, more happy with it. If, if the, it was kind of like um, you know, if you re- if you read the X Men comics or, or the Avengers comics, the way that the, that the things tend to go is that when the team is not Fighting as, a, fighting as a team and doing singles and are kind of split, they get they get the, you know romped on by the by the villains. And then when they are able to to unite as a team and use teamwork, then they're able to win. You know, it, I would like I would like it a lot better if, the, if there's a, a storyline going on here where Jericho's new faction, which by the way I think should be called Gratitude, um, with the way he's been wanting everybody to thank him and telling everybody you're welcome and all that kind of stuff. Um, but anyway, I I, w- I uh, think that that if his stable you know might take over for a while the elite can all come back together because you know kenny and are, not, are having problems hangman and the bucks are having problems cody's off doing his own thing so i think it'd be interesting if uh i think it'd be kind of cool if, if you know if they have to find a way to work through their differences before they're finally able to take down jericho's faction yeah it'd be interesting if they could pull off a storyline like that yeah. and i think they probably can faith in those guys you know like we were talking about earlier with uh like i was talking about earlier with the scorpion and the frog thing i mean there, it's certainly possible that aew is a scorpion but i don't think they are and i'm much more willing to be burned by them than i am for the umpteenth time by wwe well and like i said i i tweeted out as soon as i found out about the dynamite after or not dynamite after dark that's our show um what was the uh, no the where they're going to show what happened you know the dark matches Okay, yeah, when I found out about that, it, it's my first uh, reaction was tweeting out that, you know, this is what happens when you have a fan and wrestlers running a corporation, not corporation, corporate people in public. Right, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, tomorrow's episode should have, and, and you know, what Jeff's talking about is that AEW should have press release saying that on their, I think it's on, on their uh, YouTube channel, it's going to be a show called AEW Dark on Tuesdays that are going to show the previous Wednesday's dark matches. And last week's dark match was 
Chima taking on um, Darby Allen. So. Ooh. That should be fun. You'll see that tomorrow night. And of course, also tomorrow night is the debut episode of NWA Power on YouTube as well. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. I completely forgot about that. And I'm the one who broke the news. <laughs> <laughs> on our show, yes, you are. Yes. Yeah. So, all right. I'll have to. I guess I'll be watching YouTube tomorrow. Yeah. Um, did you get a chance to watch it? Uh, JPW destruction match? Um, I saw the Birds of Prey and I saw Jay White. Okay. I didn't. I, I was going to watch Kenta today and just ran out of time. And what but, did you think of the. Of the was uh, the uh, Birds of Prey match versus uh, Ishimori and El Fantasma as good as I advertised it to be? I thought it was better. I am just fascinated with El Phantasmo and how good he is. I he's He reminds me of... Um, we were watching football on Sunday, which is what I do. Um, but And one of the games we were watching, it, we were noticing that there's this one player who was just all over the field. Every time there was a play, he, he for some reason, was involved in the tackle or whatever. Uh, and I kind of felt that way about El Phantasmo. He just was everywhere. Whenever there was anything that needed to be done, he was there to do it. And it was it was such an entertaining match, such a good story that they told, and the fact that El, El Fantasmo is so much better than he gets credit for. I mean, we know what we're getting with Robbie Eagles. We know what we're getting with Ishimori, and we know what we're getting with Osprey. Fantasmo was the wild card, and I felt like he outshone everybody. Because you said it's the best pure tag team match. I'm saying it's probably the best tag team match. Okay, so you're going to put it... See, and that's where I'm kind of on the fence, is what I put it ahead of um, the ladder of the... Not the ladder more, but the, uh, the no-holds-barred match between the Briscoes and the Us... And uh, not the Usos, the... Uh, G.O.D. I'm not sure. Um, what I put it ahead of the Bucks versus... Um, the Lucha Brothers at All Out, and I'm not sure about that either. So those are the ones that are kind of where I'm kind of on the fence on. And see, those are my those were my one and two, uh, opposite order though. I had the Bucks and Lucha Brothers, and then Briscoes and God. Uh, but I felt like this match was what those two matches were, but the Spot Fest was more involved in the story than just being a big hit or diving through a table or something. It, it felt like everything that they were doing when they were hitting their high spots was flowing perfectly with the with the way the match was going. It didn't feel like they were trying to one-up each other like those other two matches did. And that makes sense, right? And, and honestly, my inclination is also right now is that it's my top tag team match of the year. But I want to go back and watch, the, and watch those other several matches to make sure that, you know, probably both, both matches between... Um, the Girls of Destiny and the Briscoes, probably both matches between the Bucks and the Lucha Bros, and that tag team match from the tag team title final from um, NXT TakeOver 
I think it was Cardiff, yeah. Yeah, so those those are those are right right now what's what are on the list for you know tag team matches of the year, and and so I want to go back and you know basically watch those five over, and I know there's one I always forget that was, that took place um, in the junior division as well. You always remind me of it. Yo and show against somebody. Um, was it uh, was it against um, Suzuki? I think it was, yeah, it was when they won the title from uh, Bushi and Destino, or uh, Desperado. Right, so those are basically the the, uh, the four matches, that, or the, the six matches that, that you know, I need to go back and watch. But those are probably, you know, my top six tag team matches of the year. Yeah, and I, I, I'd have to agree with that. The only other one that I think might be in the discussion is I really like, because I did go back and watch the uh, Bullet Club beating uh, Rapungi 3K for the belts, and I thought that was a really strong match, too. Bullet Club beating Rapungi 3K for... Oh, okay. I haven't seen that one yet. Sorry. It, it, it was really... Because you were talking about Bullet Club, and uh, I was thinking you meant Gorillas of Destiny. I was like, they didn't face each other for those times. No. No, I, I didn't feel like saying ELP and Ishimori. Yeah, gotcha. gotcha. Um, but I, th- I felt like that was a really strong match, too. Yeah, so uh, was, I just, was the original match between Ishimori and, and ELP versus Birds of Prey? I mean, that, right. But I don't think it's on the same level as this one. Not even close. This one was so much better. So much better storytelling. I, I loved Robbie Eagles in this match. I thought he was fantastic. And like I said, to me, ELP stole the show. I thought I, I just felt like he. I don't, I I don't want to say head and shoulders above everybody else, but when you're going into that match, you know what you're getting out of Birds of Prey. You know what you're getting out of Ishimori, and really, ELP was the wild card. I mean, I've been a fan of his for a long time, but he was really the wild card. And to see him not just perform on the level that everyone else did, but in in a way outperform Ishimori, mm-hmm. I, I thought was just fantastic. And I'm I'm really hoping that those two guys, that uh, the Birds of Prey, stick together. And, and how great is that tag team name, by the way? I love it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's absolutely love it. And they're and they're uh, you know they're calling the Birds of Prey. It's just so great. Um, but I really hope that they stay together and they're part of World Tag League this year. Yeah, I do too. Um, I didn't realize that ELP won Best of Super Juniors. Okay, what which one did they just have? Because why was he wearing that gold jacket? Oh, he won. Um, that's right. He did. He did win the one that was in the in the U.S. What they called it? What the hell did they call that one? Um, I don't the name of it. That's the Super Juniors. That was the longer tournament. This was the um, Super. Was Jacob, only the like, Super Jacob. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's what it was. And isn't that a British one? No, there, there's I the thought, one as well, but he but this is the he won the New Japan one and that it was held in the United States this year. Oh, all right. I don't remember where it was placed, but I know that's the case. I don't know why I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> I honestly don't know why I didn't know what was hap- it happened. Well, so I don't know. I mean, there's just been so much other stuff going on that we haven't had a chance to. Follow everything, and I and I know that 
and I and I don't know if it was on the if it was on the last day, which is the only one that's on in GPW World right now. But on I know also that I know a match you're probably another tag match that you'll probably be interested in is that Yo and Show challenged the Girls of Destiny for the um, heavyweight tag team championships. Really? At one of, at one of the um, the most recent USA shows, the Friday Spirit Unleashed shows. All right, I'm gonna have to find that one. Right. I just hope they don't get destroyed. I'll find it then. realize I was that out of touch with what was going on in NJPW. <laughs> well, to be fair, that was right around the time of that, of that big Chicago Evolve show we both really enjoyed. It was, at the same, it was around the same time as, um, as um, you know, All Out was um, that the other NJPW show, and then also um, the uh, NXT UK. So it was, all that stuff was going right around the same time. Okay, yeah. So I'm forgiven. Texted me. Crackheads are out in full force tonight. Then she texted, "I'm sorry, that was put it and correct me. I need to call them what they really are: Mexican Americans." Mexican Americans. <laughs> that, that's hilarious. That's absolutely hilarious. This is, my, my wife uh, delivers pizza, folks, and uh, for Domino's, and, and this is stemmed from. Some somebody told telling her that she didn't that she didn't work for Domino's despite her being in her full Domino's uniform um, at the time. Wow, and interesting. Like three weeks away from, from Halloween. So. Wow. Um, so, so, so you so you said you you did get a chance to watch the other big NJPW match that I really enjoyed and and I just want to say that Tetsuya Naito versus Jay White. Is in the running for my, for my match of the year because and, and a lot oh, of that absolutely. has to do with the fact that those two guys were so in character during the entire match. I love the character performance both of those guys put on. Not just that; it was a hell of a match, even without the character performance. No, it was. I'm saying, but I mean I, that was that is what to me elevates it is that those two guys put on a hell of a fucking wrestling match, but then they were both in such both in their characters so deeply. That I really felt like I was watching, you know, those two characters wrestle each other, not those two wrestlers wrestle each other. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's kind of like, uh, you know, the Flair versus Sting back in the day, where you saw the two characters wrestling. Right. Yeah, yeah that makes I mean, and what really sold it for me was when Jay White was picking Tetsuya Naito up and getting him ready for a suplex. He's like, I'll help you up, buddy. Okay, I'll help you up. I'll help you up. And then he just him to the, to, the, to the ground with his, um, um, with the, uh, snap, snap, Saito suplex. What did, what was it that he calls his brain buster? Uh, the blade buster. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Um, it, it's Matt Taven is having a hell of a year. Jay White is having, is getting better every single time I see him. And of course, MJF. I'm gonna have a really hard time picking my heel of the year this year. 
Last year it was hands. Last year it was hands down Champa. There was nobody even in the running. This year, we've got three solid performances. And that's you know not even taking into consideration Jericho and everything he's done. Yeah, I mean to me it's probably to me it's Jay White, but I can, but I can see where you know where you'd have a big you know. I think they I think they all three bring something to the or all four of them actually if you count Jericho bring something to the table, but I just think Jay White is so polished in everything he does. Literally everything he does. You also have to look at the, at the um, evolution of him as a performer as well, because he was always right. really strong in the ring. And then for in the first first you know two, maybe I would say two three four months in NJPW, he was he almost like it, like he was a deer in headlights with this with this new character, with trying to wrestle as this character, with trying to put this character together. And you could really see where he was where he was trying really hard to do it, but it really wasn't coming natural to him. And oh, last year, picked, which I which I think was probably. You know, shortly after he beat, he beat Kenny Omega for the U.S. Championship, something just clicked in him. Oh, I tell you exactly when it was. It was his match against Juice Robinson, um, where it clicked for him. And, and ever since then, he's been just lights out as that character. And he just keeps and and even though he's been lights out, he keeps getting better with it. And, and it's just becoming more and more ingrained into him as a right. professional wrestler right now. And I just love his performances so much. And that's what I was going to say is he really took that that serious turn when he started his feud with Okada. Once he started his feud with Okada and then he just took off once they, he turned on Okada. I just, that was, he's been just amazing. And I, as much as I love Matt Taven and Matt Taven's character work, the more and more I see a Jay White, I see Jay White is not only on that level of character work, but might be a little bit better and he has definitely put on better matches than Taven this year. Right. I thought I thought Taven has had a couple of really good matches, but Jesus, Jay White's got has to I can think of five five star matches off the top of my head this year alone from him. It seems like every time he's in the ring in a singles match, it's a five star match. And you know, and, and you know, I, I guess I must have. I, I guess something that we missed along the way, just not following NJPW as closely as as we had um, prior to the summer. But I did not realize what they were planning for Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, I knew they were doing the two nights, but did did you know this this whole like mini tournament thing that they're doing? Yeah, and that's yeah, and I I remember telling you about it, and I remember calling Jay White to win it all. Um, so you knew you knew about this whole like. Intercontinental champion versus champion yeah. on night two. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's because I the way that I I I saw it happening is I saw um, they're going to crown a dual champion, and I think they're going to get rid of the uh, the, uh, the intercontinental belt, and I think they're going to want to put it on somebody that is going to carry them into the future. And I unfortunately I don't think they're as sold on Kota Ibushi as. They used to be, as they were at the beginning of the year. I can definitely see, and I thought, I thought it was going to be White versus Naito at Wrestle Kingdom for the belt, and then White was going to win the belt on the first night, and Okada was going to uh, win, you know, the belt, you know, win that match against Ibushi, and then it was going to be Jay White versus Okada for the, uh, you know, to crown the uh, um, first ever dual champion. 
it could be. I mean, I, j I still feel like that New Japan feels like their their best main event they can put together still is probably Naito versus Okada. Yeah, I hope they don't. I, as much as I like Naito, I, and and I, as great as I think Okada is, I'm kind of sick of the two of them. I really want to start seeing some fresh blood, and I just don't see the faith in Ibushi that I saw at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and I don't know. Personally, would be good with Ibushi versus White as the, as the main event of the second night of Wrestle Kingdom, but I'm not sure that. Um, but I, and and that, you know, I, but to me, NJPW has been pushing for to re, to redo the Naito versus Okada match from two Wrestle Kingdoms ago. Oh, that's a mistake. But, I, but isn't that how it feels, though? It does, but do you really think they would? If they're going to do that, then it's Okada winning. I can't see them putting both belts on Naito. See, and I don't see why they would retire the Intercontinental Championship because the U.S. title isn't isn't you know really prestigious. Um, the never title isn't prestigious, so why would you so why would you scrap the Intercontinental title? It might be something more akin to either. You know, ultimate warrior throwing down, or not throwing down, but you know, be a stripped of, the, of that title and then a tournament to crown a new Intercontinental Champion, or or it could just be like a Jay Lethal situation where he has to defend both titles, whoever wins, whoever comes out of there. Or who else did that? Seth Rollins did that too, where he had two titles that he was defending. Oh yeah, the U.S. title too, didn't he? Yeah. I forgot about that, but yeah, that is true. So uh, hopefully that's the way they do it. I'd much rather see that. Because I don't, I think it, I mean, out of all the titles they need to get rid of, I think that's the last one they need to get rid of, is the IC title. Yeah. And unfortunately, you and I are big Sonata fans, but I don't think either one of us thinks there's a chance that Sonata walks away with the title league from now. No. No, unfortunately. Because at King of Pro Wrestling, the, you know, the, the big matches are Sonata versus Okada for the championship, uh, Evil versus Ibushi for the briefcase, or I guess now the contrast since the briefcase was destroyed by Che. <laughs> or by, uh, by uh, not by Che, by, uh, by Kenta. By Kenta. Um, and, um, and then there's also the U.S. title match with John Moxley defending against Juice in a no-holds-barred match. Or a no-disqualification match, I should say. Oh, so we're actually going to finally get a, um, a match where they're fighting all over the place and it's no-disqualification? It's legal for them to fight all over the place yeah. instead of the last match where they just fought all over the place and nobody gave a shit? Yes, and then also, and also, and also another match on that show is the culmination of the long-running um, feud this year between um, Minoru Suzuki and Jushin Liger. I was wondering if they were going to wait until Wrestle Kingdom to finish that. I guess they might have something in Queen of Wrestle Kingdom as well, but but no, those guys are, fa are facing off at King of Pro Wrestling. Okay, that's that'll be a fun match. I think Suzuki's kind of been on fire too lately, especially since he got snubbed in the G1. What did you see? Did you see the rumor this week about that? No, I didn't. Uh, that he, the, the rumor is that he's leaving at JPW after Wrestle Kingdom, and then so is and so is um, Harold May. Who? The president of the company. Oh, really? Yeah. I wonder why. Um. Well, 
Suzuki's leaving because he doesn't feel like he's been booked well. And he hasn't. And he hasn't, and I'm, and I'm good with that. I mean, I'm good with him leaving. So, um, I, I know I know that people are upset about it, but to me, um, I, I don't need to see any more Suzuki matches. Um, the only the only thing that's going to upset me about him leaving NJPW is that we won't get to hear Don Callis scared every time he walks out again. Yeah, but Callis is hardly there anymore anyway. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I, and I forgot I forgot about EOP challenging Osprey for the champion for the IWGP. Yeah, that IWG. I that I saw, and that's a match I'm really looking forward to. That's one I really want to see. Yeah, I mean Suzuki leaving is it's not a big deal to me. Howard, Harold May leaving to me also isn't a big deal because the, the the U.S. expansion kind of got crippled by the fact that the elite left. Right. So it does make sense that he's. I mean, his whole reason for coming in was the the U.S. expansion. Right. And like you said, when the elite left, it really slammed the door on that because they at that as soon as all those guys left, they had nobody else marketable in the U.S. So on Access TV, Access TV is now owned by a company that loves professional wrestling. Right. Um, and there could be stuff going on with Impact down the road to it, you know, for them. But, you know, I, I, I really, it's, it's kind of a weird situation because NJPW and Ring of Honor really have not been cooperating much this summer. Um, and then you've got Moxley and Jericho both wrestling for NJPW and AEW. Um, Jericho is still rumored to be scheduled to face Tadahashi at Wrestle Kingdom. You know, Moxley, and Moxley's wrestling this weekend for them, um, and then you got this, and then you got this whole thing where NJPW and, and Impact are both on the same channel now, and so there might be a business relationship between those two that that can be developed where where Impact and NJPW can maybe kind of thaw the ice that's that kind of froze over to the, over them with their treatment of Okada previously. Right. Well, and they they didn't treat Sonata very well when he was there either. No, Sonata was booked as the, as the X-Division champion and stuff. Was he? I must miss that part. Yeah, but, but, but Okada was booked as kind of basically, you know, basically a joke. Well, in all honesty, he comes, didn't... He comes back and wins the NJPW or the IWGP championship like a month after that. Didn't they treat him like a joke, though, before he left? Wasn't NJPW kind of rough on him? I mean, I didn't watch it this time, so I didn't. I don't really know, but I didn't either. But that's not my understanding. Okay, I, I for some reason I'd heard that he was. No, I, I, th- I think he um, Naito was. Well, yeah, Naito unfortunately was really treated like shit, and I haven't really seen a you know in, increase in the way that they treat him no. since he's been. It's been better. At least, he, at least he's been booked, like you know, with with like what four kind of championship reigns now, in a in a short reign as the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. Whereas before he was, um, he was kind of he was almost dead in the water as a character. So they had to they had to send him out to to, to do something else, and he found this new character to do. Well, I don't know. I, I do you have anything else on these guys on either one, on either one of these? 
happy that I'm happy she wipes the Newark. Yeah, I am too. I, I'm too, and that's why I, I just thought they pulled the trigger a little early. I thought they weren't going to do that until Wrestle Kingdom, though. But yeah, sure that does that does make sense, though, if you're picking Naito for night two. That makes sense that they give White this short little run here, and Naito wins it back at Wrestle Kingdom. That's my best guess. God, I hope not. See, and I'd like to see them make good for that horrible short reign they had as um, heavyweight. Yeah, do some fantasy booking. <laughs> and Mance Warner is about the only thing that I. I I don't know what's going on, but he's probably the most compelling character in MLW now. Austin Aries has not had the impact I thought he would. The dynasty and the heart foundation, the dynasty and the and the heart foundation just are kind of in neutral right now. Jacob Fatu, yeah, Jacob Fatu and Mance Warner are about the only two things that are that are really really on fire right now. There, well, and of course, uh, injustice. I was I was kind of you know I was watching and and uh, the way MLW uh, when I got back from um, Mankato today and uh, Mankato by the way those those of you who don't know is uh, is a city about an hour south of Minneapolis I went there for a Shine Down concert uh, Shine Down Papa Roach uh, concert over the weekend and uh, but but today I had, so I had time off work to watch MLW so I watched the latest episode of it. And um, what struck me was that I think that um, Matt's Warner, you know, despite despite how much I love Jay White, how much I like Matt Taven, Matt Taven and um, Sammy Callahan, that I think really right now Matt's Warner is my favorite character in professional wrestling. I he's up there. He's definitely up there. He I do miss his interaction with Sammy though. Yeah. I thought they were they were an incredible duo together. I like what I see what I'm seeing out of Sammy. Um, with his dressing, uh, dressing in a suit because he wants to be the face of the company and all that crap that he's doing on Impact. That's a lot of fun. And of course, and of course, the Golden Draw. Yeah, I really wish. Too, but, but he's, I really. He's just growing into that character too. Yeah, I really wish he'd get a little more mic run than he does. Don't get more. Just be patient. Yeah, yeah, it's coming. I have faith in Don Callis. And uh, Scott DeBoer as well? Yeah, I, yeah, I guess, because he's behind it, too. So. Well, he's, well, you know, he talked, they talked about it on, on Jericho's show. Is he's the one that's actually bringing in the talent, and then Callis is the one figuring out how to use him. See, and, and that's where I'm, I'm putting my faith in, in Callis, because it's, it's easy to bring in the talent. It's hard to get the talent to perform the way that accentuates their strengths that's what Heyman was so good at Callis learned from Heyman and he's really good at it too where a lot of bookers that's their biggest failure is they try to force a character on somebody that's really not prepared for that character instead of just letting them do what they do great well that's true but, but, you, but 
you also have to have an eye for talent to be able to bring them in to know who who is going to work for your company as well. I mean, I'm not downplaying what Callus does. I love Don Callus. I'm just saying that I think we need to give some credit to more for bringing these guys in for Callus to work with as well. Yeah, and that makes yeah. That is true. I don't want to be I don't want to be so gaga for Callus that I overlook that there's other guys that are you know doing their work as well. One guy I kind of hope that they take off the booking committee is uh, Tommy Dreamer because I'm sick of hardcore matches. It's I I I like them when they're scattered, when they're spotty, when it you know you have one once a month or once every couple of months, but every single week. I see what you're saying with that. I, I'm also not I'm also not thrilled with with the fact that the uh, that for the second interview in a row that the tag team title match at as long as it's not a tornado triple threat again, I'll be fine with it. Well, since since two of the since two of the teams in there is is uh, RVD and Rhino, I'm pretty sure it will be. <laughs> That's all I have to say is ugh. Well, because it's going to be another tornado. That's that's the one thing about Slammiversary that really bugged me is the first five. Was it Slammiversary or was it the one before that? I don't. There was one of them where I was irritated because the first five matches were all the same. Literally all the same. I just don't want to see a repeat of that. Yeah, and that makes sense. But if you remember right, three out of those five first matches weren't supposed to be um, ridiculous hardcore matches. And the one that was the least hardcore was the one that was the hardcore match. I yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, that uh, that first blood match. <laughs> yeah, that was the least hardcore of all the matches. And, I mean, everything was a tornado match. It was a hardcore match. It was just... It it really became exhausting, and then when you get to the match that's supposed to be hardcore, the, it really isn't. Yeah, I mean, and they are kind of shaping it up that way. I mean, I I don't want to throw cold water, and I don't want to get you. We're not going to be excited to see the show, but I mean, they you know they, there's that triple threat tag match. There's also a five way match. Five way, I think it's a five way ladder match for the X division title. And I don't mind those. Those are fun because those are that's the kind of spot fest that you want on a pay per view. You need at least one of those on every show, on every pay per view, not every week. But my thing is, why a ladder match? Why not do an Ultimate X? Exactly, exactly my thing. Thank you, sir. It's your, big, it's your biggest show of the year. Why not have your showcase match for that division? Considering that is what sold everybody on impact to begin with well tna back in the day was the x division and that ultimate x match right so i mean that that's that that was kind of my thought is like why not put that together um as as you know your your big match for impact i'm gonna look to see what the impact card is well i'm pretty sure they're having qualifying matches for the x division uh, didn't they have an Ultimate X at home, at Homecoming? I thought they had an Ultimate X match then. At Homecoming? 
Yeah, because that was when um, Ethan Page really kind of made his mark. I think. Yeah, that was in like January, February, somewhere in there. I don't remember. That was a long time ago. But I know they just did an Ultimate X match, and that Trey was in it, and um, and that's where Ethan Page kind of had his coming out party. I can't remember who else was in it. Who's in it? That has potential. That has. I'm guessing anybody that is not in any of the any of the other matches on the card. Uh, that could have potential. Yeah, I mean, if it were me, I would probably book Ace Austin to win, and then and then have not have them actually use the, use it for like a year or so. Yeah, kind of like a Money in the Bank type thing. That's it, you know. He gets Eddie so, you know, Eddie wins, but he gets Eddie so frustrated that he's finally like, I'll, I'll do anything to get you in the ring, and then he has to put that shot on the line. Didn't CM Punk do that, where he won it from somebody? Uh, from uh, Mr. Kennedy. Mr. Kennedy. Mr. But he didn't win it from somebody. He lost it, too. It was either Edge or it was CM Punk. Oh, yeah, Might have been Edge. Right, you're right. Kennedy lost it to Edge. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah, and, and that, I mean, that match sounds like it has some potential, at least. The first three I'm not overly excited about. Well, that's because you haven't seen Marifuji wrestle before. No, you're right, I haven't. Um, so I guess that... I mean, you got, you got Michael Elgin and, 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 and a Japanese legend wrestling, but it's probably going to be a, a Japanese strong-style match. I don't, think you can, I don't think you can be down on that. That's true. I mean, Ken Shamrock Moose, it's a little... I'd say 15 years past Shamrock's prime. I don't really want to see an old guy get in there against somebody that's as athletic as Moose and get his ass kicked. I think the Rascals and the Luchadors could be fun. Yeah, I think so too. I, I mean, it's, I, I think the only reason to be, I think the only reason that someone would be down on that is just, is, you know, if they were like, well, the Rascals deserve better. But I mean, it's, it's the biggest match of the year. They're getting probably the opening match. They're going to they're have to pop the crowd. I'm really, I'm really excited for that match. Uh, yeah, yeah. Of rules where, where, where you can like move in without tagging. I think, I think that would be awesome. Yeah, that sure that does, does have. What they've been saying, I'm pretty sure it does have lucha rules in it. That one does have some potential. I think so too. Um, then you've got the Impact World Tag Team Championship match again. It's the North defending against Rich Swan and, Mill- and Willie Mack and Rhino and Rob Van Dam. Ugh. Um, just out of curiosity, if, if that was Rob Van Dam and Shabu, would you be, would you be more or less interested in it? Um, are we talking now or are we talking 1995? We're talking now, man. <laughs> no, I would not have any interest in that. Okay. I, I, I'm, 
I, I'm at my point where I'm I'm sick and tired of seeing legends being trotted out when they can't compete at the level not not at the level because somebody like Jericho, Minoru Suzuki, these guys are a different breed where they're able to go out there and compete like madmen at 50 years old. Rob Van Dam does not look like Rob Van Dam anymore. I don't want to see Rob Van Dam trying to do all of his athletic shit when he can barely jump to the top rope. I agree. Um, you know, and it's it, you know, Rhino still has some gas in the tank, but Rob Van Dam is should not be in the ring anymore. I hate to say it, but and I get why they're relying on the ECW talent because they need the talent in on the roster. But at some point, they need to let the talent give way and not put them in title matches. That's why it's so interesting to me that they're bringing in, like you just mentioned, another ECW talent. They're bringing in as Johnny Swinger. Really? And I was never really a big Swinger fan like when he was when he was a, when he was in his prime. So. Was anybody a Johnny Swinger fan? Well, I mean, I liked his team with Simon Diamond, but I didn't like. I never liked him as a singles wrestler. And I don't know the answer to that question. I would say probably not. And speaking of which, I started watching uh, the new, next ECW pay-per-view today before uh, before the show. I'm, it's got some goodness to it, but it also has some awfulness. I've seen the first three matches now. <laughs> Good luck with this one. Okay. I'll probably end up watching it tomorrow night or tomorrow and Wednesday. Or not, or not Wednesday, probably, because we can't give um, ladder match for the X Division title. So, so far announced are, of course, the Golden Troll defending against Tessa Blanchard and Daga. And there's two other people to be added to the match. So, already it's got potential in it. Tessa, Daga, Jay Christ. Good stuff. Yeah. I I wonder who else they're going to throw in there. And are, are they going to crown Tessa? Well, I know Dave faced Tessa for the for the right to be in the match. So, it won't be, so Dave won't be in there for sure. I, I don't know who else, who else they would throw in there, though. Probably, probably T- TJP. That's what I was going to say. Probably TJP and probably, uh, God, I don't know who else. They've always got to have the one big guy in there. Oh, I suppose they could have the, the, big, uh, the big guy from uh, OBE in there. Or Fall About. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's probably why it's a ladder match and not uh, an Ultimate X. We could see it. Although he has lost a lot of weight now. So yeah, he has. And he's been he's been running this little program with TJP, which is kind of entertaining too. So. Then you've got the Impact Knockouts Championship, Taya Valkyrie defending against Tennille Dashwood. Ugh. And then you've got um, Brian Cage defending against Sammy Callahan. All right. That, one I, that one's going to be fun. So. Yeah, so I mean... I, I know Ryan is There's a, down on this show. I think it's. A, I think it looks like a good show, personally. Well, half of it is. There's there are some stinkers that are there, and maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe they'll actually steal the show. But I I just I ha, I don't have much faith in Ken Shamrock or RVD to really perform at the level they should be for a show like this. 
and I guess I haven't, I mean, I'll take your word for the Michael Elgin match. I'll give that one a solid shot. Yeah, and, and to be fair, Mirafuchi is, you know, is, is an old veteran as well, but two years ago he put on a classic against Kazushiko Okada in G1. So just going by that, I'm going to, you know, I, I realize this feels still with two more two years later, but I mean, I, I don't think it's going to be something where we're going to be disappointed. Well, and the fact that I'm going in there with zero knowledge of him. I, I don't have anything to compare him to. That's true. So even if he's running at 50% steam like RVD is, I don't have 100% or, um, to compare him to. And 50% of, of Mirafuji is better than 20% Rob Van Dam, or I should say 70% Rob Van Dam, because RVD has always been, you know, athletic guy, whereas Mirafuji right. is like Jericho or he's smart enough to change up his game over the years. See, and that's and that's the thing. That's part of the reason why I like it. You know, Suzuki's been able to do it because he was never a high flying athletic guy. He was just always a bruiser. Jericho has changed his the way he's done things so much that he doesn't even remind me of the same guy that he was in ninety five, ninety six. Exactly, and that's something where Rob Van Dam just can't do. Where Rob Van Dam just never has screamed technical wrestler to me. It's always been his same five or six moves. And when he doesn't have the athleticism to do them anymore, it's just not a good match. And the other thing, and the, and the thing I'll say about the Ken Shamrock versus Moose match, um, I haven't seen Shamrock wrestle in a long time, but he, but I really did enjoy him when he was a wrestler, and I'd much rather see that match than see Cain Velasquez versus uh, Brock Lesnar. Right. What a fucking waste of time. Um, I can't believe I wasted my time watching that show on Friday. You didn't, though. You I, didn't waste your time because you watched it. Well, yeah. That's that's just it. I mean, it was it was something special to do with my sixteen year old. So, I, you know, I did enjoy it for that. But it was funny watching his progression because he he's kind of been off the wrestling bandwagon for a while, and I've been trying to get him back on, but he doesn't have access to the stuff like I do. So the only time he can ever really watch it is when he's here. And so he's, you know, still been kind of that WWE guy and we're watching the show. And after that opening segment, he looked at me and he said, is the rock a a full-time wrestler again? I said, nope. He goes, then why the hell did they bury the king for him? (laughs) This is my 16 year old saying that. And who hasn't, who doesn't watch wrestling, doesn't listen to our show or anything like that. So even he was able to see it. Yeah, that's that's kind of amazing. Um, did did he watch those NJPW matches with you? He watched um, the tag match, and we watched AEW. So he's he's. So he didn't see the white versus Naito match with you. No, in in fact, next time he comes up, I'm definitely going to make him watch it because that was just such a great match. Did he like the tag match as much as we do? Oh, he loved it. He loved it. He actually looked at me and said, why can't WWE do stuff like that? <laughs> like, you're finally starting to come to my side, kid. Well, they can. But they choose. No. So, um, I, I just, one, one more thing I just wanted to mention before we, I think we're pretty much done with, with what we're going to talk about, but I wanted to mention about this upcoming uh, AEW Dynamite, Dynamite show on Wednesday. Um, I would be very. I would not be surprised at all 
if we see the private party advance because Santana and Ortiz get involved in that match and cost the Bucks, setting up a grudge match between those two at um, at full gear. Well, the reason why I, I kind of leaning heavily on that to happen is because um, I don't think they would give us another Bucks Lucha Brothers match. So whether it's the Bucks or the Lucha Brothers that um, PNP attacks, it's going to be one of those two. And I can definitely see with the way they've been pushing private party, private party advancing. I would love to see those two against the Lucha Brothers. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I didn't know that. I, I don't remember how the brackets are set up, but that makes a lot of that makes perfect sense. That we the third match between those two being the second match. Excuse me, the second uh, round of a tag team title. Yeah, the bracket. They're they're both on the same side of the bracket, and it's. Um, Private Party against the Bucks, and then um, a boy and his dinosaur against Lucha Brothers. Lucha Jurassic Experience, yeah. yeah. So I and I just, as much as I love uh, Luchasaurus, I just can't see him moving on in this tournament unless it's a disqualification by because of PNP. Yeah, and the way that this is kind of shaping up, I just think it's going to be um, probably the Lucha Brothers versus Dark Order for the titles. I'd be okay with that. I, it kind of feels like they're looking to crown Dark Order right now. Yeah, I think so too. So, but I guess we'll see. I mean, that's that's the one thing about AEW is so far they haven't been predictable. Right, and I don't think the only thing that was really predictable for me was the fact that Jericho was winning the title. But it also made sense. Yes, it did. So. Uh, and, and, you know, that's the other thing I was, I was thinking about with, with this, and, and we can talk about this more probably tomorrow night, or not tomorrow night, but Wednesday night, but um, it's kind of... it's. It's it's kind of interesting that Jericho has the title now, and then he's got he's got that match against you know coming up against um, Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom, and I and I don't think he's dropping the title at full gear, you know, at this point because it just seems like too early. So um, it, it's going to be interesting that you know that AEW has their top champion on Wrestle Kingdom when those guys when those two organizations don't currently have a um, working, working relationship. Yeah, that is that is interesting. All right, so so we'll be back with you on Wednesday to talk about um, our new with our new show Dynamite After Dark right right after AEW Dynamite goes off the air. And why don't you hit the rest of our stuff? Um, check out our Patreon. Uh, we do a lot of exclusive things on there. Uh, coming up this week, we're going to be uploading Jessica Jones, uh, our our latest breakdown of what episode five i think we're on now of season two um we've also got hardcore heaven 94 that uh we'll be breaking down as well and um 
you know, there's multiple tiers there. There's tiers for every fan. Um, we try to keep them as stocked full of content as possible with as much, uh, with as low a price as we can. Um, but by all means, please go there. Please donate to keep your, uh, your boys here happy and we'll go from there. Uh, also you <laughs> donate. I need cough medicine. <laughs> Um, also our YouTube channel, uh, these shows end up there about a half hour after, after we're off the air. So it's a good way to get people that uh, don't really know us, uh, to get to know us. Um, these shows plus occasionally Shane or I will throw up some videos talking about something. Um, but that's YouTube, uh, slash kingdom of honor Hit subscribe button, you know, hit the likes on the videos, hit the subscribe button, ring the notification bell so you can get all the good stuff. Um, also, patreon.com slash kingdom of honor is where you go for that. And, uh, of course, our Twitter, uh, at Regi Co-op, at Zanman L-O-P. We use both hashtag K-O-H for kingdom of honor and D-A-D for uh, dynamite after dark. So use those hashtags and just quickly and, and by all means share with all your friends. And make sure you stay tuned to all the other LLP radio shows. So tomorrow is Global Revolution. On Wednesday will be the right, um, excuse me, will be Sports Entertainment is Dead along with our Dynamite After Dark show right after AW Dynamite goes off the air. On Thursday, Imp's LLP Radio Adventure. On Friday, the right side of the pond. And then uh, we'll be with you again next Monday for more Kingdom of Honor. Until next time, that's all we've got. We'll try to do better next time. This is Shane saying long days, pleasant nights, and Jeff saying goodbye. G1 Climax 27. Goodbye, and good night. Bang.